Hello, good people of Digital Charcuterie Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in, first of all, and welcome to our brand new show, That's So Wizard. It's kind of like That's So Raven, but very, very different and nothing at all like that. My name is Andrew Fantasia, and I am joined, of course, you know him, you love him, this guy right here, James Rizzile. James, how you doing? I'm doing all right, but I'm uh, not confident people love me, so let's... uh... Let's refrain from saying that. <laughs> oh, I beg to differ. I beg to differ. Um, we, uh, we, this was, uh, this show was um, an idea that you brought forth, you know, starting up the, the podcast network and everything. And I really, really loved this idea for this show. And I think everybody listening, I hope everybody listening is going to love it. Uh, the deal with this is that you, you so cleverly decided to call it That's So Wizard. First of all, I got to give you credit where credit is due. Uh, love that name. It's a Star Wars quote by probably the greatest character ever, Kitster. Um, did you sort of, like, how, how quickly did it come to you how perfect this title was, first of all? Um, humble brag, immediately. There was no, there was no <laughs> thinking. I was like, well, if Andrew's going to do a podcast, it has to be called That's So Wizard. It was literally, it was very much immediate. Yeah, I think the, the name came before the podcast. It did. Yeah, <laughs> it, really, it did. It was... It, it sold me too when you were like, "Yeah, I want to give you a show. We'll, we'll figure out what you want to do." And I think I want to call it this. And I was like, "Yep, okay, I'm yeah. on board." Now <laughs> I need to come up with a ti- with a topic. I need I need to figure out what this podcast will be. For that title is far too clever to waste. It was it just seemed perfect for you and for what you like and what you liked in the past. And it it, it was too good to pass up. Yeah, as as everybody knows, I am a huge Washington Wizards fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that's not the reason. That is a lie. Um, I'm surprised. Do... That's kudos to you for knowing the Washington Wizards are a team and not referring to them as the Washington Bullets, which they they were in my youth. They were called the Bullets back in the day. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't think you did. <laughs> no. See, see, we we got sports facts. We got everything on this show. Um, the the uh, it worked out so fortuitously because I write fantasy way too much and uh the big fantasy series that i'm writing is called we were wizards so that worked out so perfectly but even more so even more perfect than that was uh the the content that we're going to be putting into this show because i brought up a few times now on rebel scum podcast lately that one thing i miss and i'm sure you miss it too james because you're old school like me is magazines don't you miss magazines what's a magazine it's those things you can get at the library. I think that's how they say it. Library. Like a strawberry. Uh, they're made of pages and you can't pinch your fingers to zoom into the pages. So it's just, it, it's only one size. It's funny you mentioned the pinching the fingers. I was at a family thing a couple of weeks ago and there's old family photos and, uh, and my cousin tried. I looked at the picture and almost went to zoom in on the on the old Polaroid. And I was like, "Ah, oh, gotcha, gotcha." Uh, yeah, you I'm can- not gonna lie. I almost did that once. It's tough. It was very embarrassing. You know, I have, I don't buy magazines anymore, but I did buy the Star Wars Vanity Fairs, and uh, I I didn't try to pinch on them because the pictures were so uncomfortably poorly printed that I actually just went on my iPad and looked at them instead anyway, so I could pinch in there. Mm-hmm. So I think, look, I do kind of miss the old uh, magazines. Uh, maybe work on your printing quality, and I'll be back to... I almost bought another one, and I said, I don't know if I want to spend 10 bucks on poorly printed images. So I said no, but 
Wizard Magazine, it's weird that it doesn't exist in some capacity today. I know, it's very odd. I mean, when when I was buying Wizard, which was 2007 to like 2010-ish, um, it was in that sort of limbo right before like the MCU became huge, right before Star Wars came back, right before Game of Thrones started. Like, if there was ever a time for Wizard Magazine to exist... It was at the point where it stopped existing. <laughs> it didn't. Uh, it didn't stick around long enough to sort of see all these wonderful, wonderful things happen. Uh, for those of you who don't know what Wizard Magazine was, it was just it was this magazine where you can't zoom in on the pages with your fingers, like I said, and it talked about mostly comic books. It was it was uh, first and foremost about comics. So you know, you turn the page, you read an article about, hey, this is uh, what the creators uh, who killed Superman. This is what they wanted to do and why they wanted to do it. But then they would also talk a lot about films because Hollywood was getting inundated with comic book films. So they would, you know, shoot out these reports every month, be like, guys, we heard that Robert Downey Jr. just got cast as Iron Man. Isn't that weird that they're making a movie about Iron Man? Or do you think there'll be a Sam Raimi Spider-Man 4? Like all kinds of speculation. They would do casting speculation. It was just so much fun as a fan of this kind of stuff to read. And it, it, you know, it, it also gave you that sort of sense of, of something to look forward to every month. Because these magazines would come out every month. So if you're like me, you're, you're, you know, you come home from a day at college or a day at work, whatever. And you're like, oh man, oh, it's the 15th of the month. I think there might be something in the mailbox for me. You go, you open the mailbox and boom, there's a fresh copy of Wizard Magazine with lots of news articles and and wild speculation about how Heath Ledger's Joker is going to turn out in the Dark Knight and whether or not the Penguin has a cameo that they haven't told us about. It's just, it's endless fun. And I wanted to try to emulate that here for you via podcast form. Because I guess that's the closest we can come, right, James? I mean, like, podcasts are kind of the new magazine in essence, except you, you can't, there's no pictures to zoom in on whatsoever. No, and that's just Nintendo Power. There's a Nintendo Power podcast. I don't think the magazine exists anymore, and if it does, it has eluded me. But Nintendo Power, the podcast, is back, and it is officially licensed by Nintendo. Uh, So, yeah, I think you're right. I think podcasts are somewhat the new uh, magazines, only instead of people who have been educated in what they're doing, it's just a bunch of people with a weird microphone and and a computer, and like, I know how to speak! And so that allows us (laughs) the opportunity to pretend that we know what we're doing. And talking now, about, yeah. Did you did you have the power, James, back in the day? Were you a Nintendo Power kid? Uh, the only magazine subscription I ever subscribed to was for one year of... Well, there was two. There was this dinosaur magazine in like the 90s, and you would get pieces of a skeleton glow-in-the-dark Tyrannosaurus Rex. I got that. I got that, too. Yeah, I figured you would. <laughs> and uh, so I had that, and I also had um, Sports Illustrated for a year. Those were literally, yeah, I know, right up your alley. Those were literally the only two magazines I ever subscribed to in my entire life, as far as I can remember. I feel like there was another one. Um, But, no, Nintendo Power is one that I would just buy. I don't think I ever subscribed to it, but I would get all the time. And uh, maybe I should have. Game Pro, I miss Game Pro as well. Mm-hmm. Game Pro is cool. I um, I missed out on the on the Nintendo Power era i think it was a little bit just a smidge before my time because i was born in 87 so I, I grew up playing an nes but i wasn't like one of those kids on the playground who's like i have the power so i know a code for zelda 2 like i just it, i was a bit too young for that 
But I do love, like, I've, I've, I collect old issues of Nintendo Power because I like them and they're beautifully laid out. Um, and I, you know, Wizard was sort of the last thing that I really subscribed to magazine-wise. Before that, in high school, it was Mad Magazine. I used to find those funny enough to pay for them every month. And uh, in my childhood, there was this one. I'm, I'm surprised this one uh, is off your radar because this one would have been right up your alley, James. It was called Disney Adventures. Those were little, the little like uh, Reader Digest size books. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I had a Digest size. I had a bowl. Oh, they were of that, so much fun. Well. Yeah, I had a bowl of those. Yeah, they they were great. They would have like little kid friendly articles and comics, and like you, you could get like a Ducktales comic and stuff. Oh, I was they were fantastic. Disney Adventures rocked, and that was just sort of a wonderful treat every month to look forward to. And I want to pass that on somehow to the good people listening to the Digital Charcuterie Podcast Network. So That's So Wizard is going to sort of be my attempt to emulate that feeling, uh, to replace that feeling, dare I say even to expand upon that feeling by entertaining all of you with crazy news about entertainment in general, whether it's film, TV, video games, books, Sports Illustrated, because apparently that's the thing that James is into, so he can enlighten us on that. Um, and just all the stuff that you love to hear about through our mouths, because I think we have pretty sexy mouths, and we'll uh, we'll, we'll try to to give the news to the best of our ability uh, and, and make it sound interesting and fun, because that's sort of what we like to do. Uh, as uh, you know, you started Rebels Come Podcast with Brock Smink, and and you guys found this cool little niche where you can take even a slow news week in Star Wars and turn it into entertainment. And I think you've done. A pretty damn good job of that, sir, and I think uh, I think it shows because the the show is fun to watch. Rebels Come Podcast is fun to watch and listen to. Thanks. I'll pay you later. You will pay me later. That's <laughs> right. So so we'll uh, we'll we'll talk about everything that sort of happened. Uh, we're gonna try to do this show. I, I think uh, maybe biweekly, uh, so even a little bit more than uh, than once a month. Um, and we'll normally start off by talking about movie banter, James, and this is just everything that has uh, sort of happened in the film world, films that have come out since the last episode, but because this is the first episode, uh, we're just going to start off, I think we're in a nice little spot to talk about summer 2019, the summer movie season. Summer blockbusters are the biggest thing, they have been for decades now, and I could be wrong, because I am bad at mathematics, yep. but I think this might be one of the most numerically stacked season, um, like summer seasons in terms of just how many movies are coming out within a, a, like a stretch of time from you know beginning of May to end of July. And you live in a forest. You you are essentially an I elf. Yeah. You and Aaron are elves. You live in the woods. You you have like a bright tree village kind of motif going on. You don't have a a super close movie theater. So which summer films, James? Let's start with Endgame. Let's make Endgame the beginning of the summer season. Which summer films have you gone out to watch? I'm not even joking. I'm outside right now. And as you're talking about how I live in the woods, a hummingbird just came and flew above me. It was just like, (laughs) hey, welcome to the woods. I don't know where Do you guys sing while you're out there and have creatures land on various parts of your body? Every window has pie on the sill. I'm (laughs) I'm just trying not to get pooed on. That's really yeah, that, that, that's, uh, that's a big danger over there. All right, some of the blockbusters that I want to see. Um, okay, what has come out already? Is Solo coming out this year? Jurassic Park 5? Here's the problem. Oh, I think, I think I, you're one year behind, Mr. Oh, Rizzo. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm living in the past. Okay, so I really... Uh, Child's Play just came out. I haven't had a chance to see that yet. We've had topic conversations about that. 
Toy Story 4, uh, I don't know how I, I don't know if I'm, ex- I'm not excited for it. I will watch it. It probably is okay. I just, I'm like, I don't know. I, sure. Um, but what, mm-hmm. I'm going to go see Spider-Man Far From Home, Homecoming 2, whatever it's called. I'm going to see that for sure. Um, my nephew has already told me I have to, so even if I didn't yeah, want to. You have to, no choice in the matter. Yeah, That's so that, that one I really want to see. And I actually don't know what comes out after that, Andrew. What the heck are we up for this summer? Uh, well, yeah, I'm, uh, I think I'm right there in the same boat as you. I think uh, in terms of July, there's Spider-Man Far From Home. Yeah. And then on, I'm going to take a quick peek here at my, uh, my schedule here. Oh, um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the only other big one coming out in July. I don't know if that's on your radar, uh, if you're a Tarantino guy, but uh, that's going to be a thing. So you get to see Leonardo DiCaprio yeah, but that, run how, around. I, that, that confuses me. Why is that coming out in the summer? I can't see, unless they're expecting like it to be, you know, track like there's something about Mary from 40 years ago, where, you know, it's the surprise sleeper hit of the summer. I don't see that one being... So I don't think it's going to make like five, six, seven, hundred, one billion dollars. You know, it'll probably cap out around three hundred million tops, maybe two something. I that one confused. Why is that in the summer? Is it not good? They don't want the, the any Oscar buzz for Tarantino, for Brad Pitt, for DiCaprio, Margot Robbie. I feel well. Well, DiCaprio has enough Oscar buzz. Let, let's let's give the buzz to some other folks now. I think that that guy is made of nothing but Oscar buzz. But that's not point. how Hollywood works, though. Hollywood wants the Oscars. They don't care about anything. Like it, if it's going to make the same money in November as and now, why not go in? So that confuses me. I, it looks okay. I don't know. It didn't. Again, it didn't blow me away. Um, I didn't see Tarantino's last movie. I'm sure this one's going to be too long. That's my one fear. Is that this? I know you like long movies, but this will be like a three and a half hour movie, and, and halfway through it, I'll be like, why? Why is this so long? Yeah, he doesn't like to make short movies, Tarantino. Um, I think I looked up this one. I think this one is sitting at around like Blade Runner two levels. I think it's like two hours forty five. Um, so that's so a that's a hard chunky. pass. I'll see you on Netflix. <laughs> Except I probably won't have Netflix when that hits Netflix. So I'll see you at some point. Ooh, you heard that Netflix? Them's fighting words. You better give James a reason to keep subscribing. I'm not. I've been paying, you know, when Netflix raised their price point to 14, I think it's 14.99 a month right now. I really questioned whether or not to keep it and, and my wife, she wanted it, so we kept it. But I think honestly, I haven't watched it in over 2 months and I don't think she's watched it for about 2 months. We had our niece was over yesterday and she put it on to watch Young Justice, but that was it. I, and I, I yeah, I wouldn't be too heartbroken to to miss out on the their terrible terrible uh, straight to Netflix movies. <clears throat> I, I I would not miss <laughs> any of those at all. I enjoy uh, Stranger Things, but I don't think it's fifteen dollars a month enjoyment out of it. Um, yeah, I think you know, like the OA. I haven't seen season two. If if that's even out, I have no idea. I haven't seen, but the OA was all right. Uh, what else was good? You know, I can't even think of uh, the the board, Badlands. What was it called? The Florida Keys show, uh, Borderline, yeah. Bloodline, yeah, Bloodlines. Bloodlines. That was pretty good for the first season and a half or two. Yeah, you're you're not wrong. I mean, it, it's a steep price point, and you're getting, in my opinion, you're getting really good original shows and really like bargain bin original movies. 
They're doubled down too much. They they're like they're going quality over or quantity over quality, mm-hmm. and that's who like I don't care. I like you know if you want to just be digital blockbuster with straight to video sequels to Snakes on a Plane and stuff, fine. But don't charge me fifteen dollars a month for that crap. Right. Yeah. And so I'm getting like it's just really annoying that they keep pumping out the price to produce the original content and the original content is garbage i don't want to sound mean <laughs> about it the people that the people that make the stuff i'm sure they're working hard and they don't try to make bad films but they are they're just like every time i put on a netflix original movie which is very rare now yeah. i'm like why did i bother with that crap and the one that everybody seems to love the bird box it's just a like an okay version of the happening so it's like <laughs> i so I, I just, for $15 a month, I would rather spend my money on, you know, two, maybe maybe the Disney one and something else and see what, you know, because the Disney one will have all those Disney cartoons from the past and the future and I'll have all the Disney live action, like them or not, the, and the Marvel movies and Star Wars, everything's going to live on there. Mm-hmm. And so I'd rather, you know, instead of pay, paying twenty four ninety nine for Captain Marvel, I'd rather pay whatever's going to be in Canada, nine ninety nine or whatever a month to watch Captain Marvel and Ant-Man, which I never saw in the theater, you know? So that's yeah. where my head's at. And I can always go back to Netflix because it's not like my price point is like I'm being grandfathered in anything anymore. It's just like, oh, by the way, we're charging you next week. Your, your pay is going up to $15. <laughs> Angry! <laughs> I think um, I think that's how they actually pitched Bird Box is they walked into the Netflix studio and said, what if we made just like an okay version of The Happening and Netflix was like, done, here's money. Yeah, but as long as Sandra Bullock's in it, people will pretend that they love it. That's right. And the funny thing is, Sandra Bullock has very beautiful eyes, and they were covered for the whole movie. <laughs> so, I'll pass. Um, but, yeah, no, you're, you're not wrong, man. Netflix is, uh, it, it's making stuff, but is it making the right stuff for the price? And I think that that's where, uh, that's where a lot of people are probably in your shoes, and they're considering... Maybe just taking that money and spending it elsewhere to spending it on Disney Plus, spending it on Amazon Prime. Maybe uh, we get Amazon Prime, I think, for free because of my mom's work or something. Uh, she has to have it. So I <laughs> must be nice. Amazon, I know. Right. I think don't call me on that. I think she either got it through work or something. But I, I I dipped into Amazon Prime to see what it's all about. Very similar kind of situation, though. I don't know how much it costs, but you've got some decent original shows. You know, you've got the tick, which is OK. You've got uh, Man in the High Castle, which is okay. You get American Gods, which is okay. And then you have just like the most garbage documentaries and movies that you will ever see in your life. I like watching documentaries about random things. And I, I turned one on in, uh, in Amazon Prime that was about, you know, like the pyramids or UFOs or something. I like those conspiracy theory things. And there's a lot of good ones, but none of them are on Amazon Prime. And the one that I turned on literally looked like I made it. That's how bad it looked. It looked like I got a camera and like filmed stock footage and did a horrible voiceover and put that up as a documentary. It was just god awful. There was another movie on Amazon Prime. It was like uh, like a B movie, like a horror B movie. And I thought this looks fun and I turned it on to play it. The whole movie had no sound. But that it's not a silent film. It's the the file, the streaming file had no sound. 
I've never seen that happen before. So there's well, a Amazon lot Prime. Of- Amazon Prime. I have to interject because no, um, I don't know how they, if it still operates this way. I've got to find out. But Amazon Prime would b- pretty much take anybody's independent film as long as it was closed captioned. So if you could closed caption yourself or afford to get a closed caption and, and you uploaded it to what they wanted, they will take anything and post it on there. I don't know if that's changed since you know Jack Ryan made them a hit. But that's how it was for the longest time. So some of the some of the films you're watching there might just be some uh, some little kid working in his parents' garage trying to make a, a, a movie. So that's that's the biggest difference between Netflix and Amazon Prime right now. Now that I know that, that makes a whole lot more sense. Um, I gotta take that to heart. But uh, if if you only watch one thing on Amazon Prime, I'll just leave this off by saying watch a movie called Chopping Mall. Uh, it's a 1980s slasher movie about a bunch of teenagers who get left behind in a shopping mall after hours. And the shopping mall's security guards are three robots that kill. <laughs> Which, of course... It is wonderful. That's how the 80s operated. That's how the everything in the 80s operated like that. Yep. Uh, you got locked into a place you shouldn't be. You died, probably from angry technology or voodoo. It could go either way. Um, so the summer of 2019 has it, it, it was packed, and uh, I think that the reason overall that you've got you know nothing in July except for Spider-Man and Tarantino, I think that's because everything seemed to come out in May, and I mean everything. I mean like one after another in May, we got Brightburn, we got Detective Pikachu, we got John Wick, we got Aladdin, we got Godzilla, we got Rocket Man. May was enormous. Uh, I can't remember a May that's been this busy in a long time, and uh, none of them made of money. And, none of them none, made money, right? Yeah, except for Avengers. None of them made money. Yeah. Did you see any of those of those movies? I saw Avengers. You saw, saw Avengers the, the Endgame? Avenger, the Avengers Endgame so I did, saw. So did everybody on planet Earth, James. Have you Not seen as many people saw it as Avatar. So oh, let's, let's, yeah. I, let's I still don't understand how Avatar made that much money. It drives me see, insane. Trying this, to is, it this is my argument for, for that. Is a movie comes out and you pay... You, like, you pay... I don't know, for a 3D ticket and you go see it five times and you're paying $20 for your 3D ticket. But now people aren't going... Now the 3D is kind of weird. So people aren't going to go see 3D as much. So their tickets are $7.50, $12. They're not the $20 3D ticket. So if you go see Avengers 10 times and you saw Avatar 10 times, chances are you saw Avatar at least 7 times in 3D and Avengers maybe once or twice in 3D. So the ticket prices are cheaper. So I always say, because um, everybody's like, inflation, inflation, which is inflation's fine. But what's the, and this this goes back, I think we've had this conversation before, with the Lilo, Lilo and Stitch effect is what I call it. Where Lilo and Stitch and... Lilo and Stitch and Minority Report both came out on the exact same weekend in 2002 or three, whatever it was. And Minority Report was number one at the box office. But Disney complained because Disney actually sold more tickets. There were more tickets sold for Lilo and Stitch, but the ticket prices were cheaper because they were for, for children. So an adult would take two kids or an adult would take five kids. Two adults would take three kids. So three of those tickets were half the price of one of Minority Report's tickets. So their box office wasn't as big, but they sold actually more tickets than Minority Report. So what I'm more curious is, what has sold more tickets itself? Is it uh, Avatar or is it Ave- Avengers Endgame? Or is it uh, something else entirely? That's a good point, man. I never thought of that. And of the two, Endgame is definitely 
you know, more kid friendly, I would say. I mean, Avatar's got some some blue side boob, it's got some some more mature themes. I mean, Endgame's not triple G rated or anything, but I think there's a lot of kids who probably tuned in to see what happened at the end of everything as opposed to, you know, really caring about what goes on on Pandora. So I think you're right. I think if you look at the, you know, the bare bones of it, how many tickets, how many asses were put into seats for Endgame versus Avatar, it might edge them out. Uh, you know, maybe you got to do that. Maybe you got to not only adjust for inflation, but adjust for 3D, adjust for age, adjust for everything. That'd be an interesting list. If there's somebody out there with a lot of time on their hands, uh, probably a lot of math skills that I don't have, who wants to do that and maybe put that list together, I would love to see what that has to say. Yeah, 100%. So of those summer movies... Um, that just dominated May. So you saw Endgame. Would you say that so far Endgame is winning the summer for you? Is that your your uh, your summer champion? Um, what else have I seen this summer? So I think it would have to because I don't. I think I don't think I saw anything else. No, I saw Aladdin. To- I saw Aladdin. So Aladdin, Aladdin. There we go. Aladdin was all right. Uh, I don't. You know what? The problem is they're like we're gonna make these cartoons live action. You're like, okay, mm-hmm. and then, like, and you know what? These, I liked Aladdin more than Beauty and the Beast. Um, I, my thing with Beauty and the Beast is everybody was like, this is, it's so good, it's so good. No one's talking about it a year later, two year, whatever right. it is, like two years later. No one's talking about it. Nobody cares. It's forgettable. And mm-hmm. the best parts of the Beauty and the Beast movie were the, the, the animated parts. And the, the problem with that is they were better in the cartoon. Uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of inherent flaws to the whole idea of Disney taking their classics and, and revamping them. Um, I, I took the plunge for Aladdin because it's Aladdin and, and it's Aladdin is special to my heart and soul. But Beauty and the Beast didn't bother. Lion King not going to bother. Dumbo didn't bother. I I am I'm good. Like I'm done with these. Um, unless maybe they make a Return of Jafar, which I highly doubt. But even in that case, I might uh, I might just wait. Well, because Jafar Jafar was the mo- most least interesting part of the entire movie. Yeah, exactly. They got like yeah. I think Aladdin. They got a lot right, um, but mm-hmm. I think they got. I just, for me personally, and again, I don't want no attacks here, but I thought Guy Pierce was the wrong choice for direction. And it mm-hmm. and as soon as they as soon as that opening song hit, that's when I was like, Oh, he was the wrong choice. Because <laughs> on the boat with Will Smith on the boat talking to his No, 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 that that's not the real first song. That's the intro song. That's like the, when it turns into a musical. I guess that part was. No, not that part. It was the the um the Aladdin song. One has jump ahead of the bread man. I don't know how it goes. You know, uh, that okay, song. Yeah. Great song. Um but he didn't direct it as a like a like it's a it's a musical, and the problem was it, it it was more like a backing track to an action sequence, and that's how a lot of the songs were like a whole new world. He's telling her, "Don't you dare close your eyes," and I was like, "Is she even covering her eyes?" There was no like there was no focus on the actions that are happening. The song is just part of is just the backing track for that's what I was seeing there. I was like, "Oh." The song, the the singing was not handled correctly. Uh, like the the dance numbers and everything were choreographed fine. Everything was the singing was fine, but the mm-hmm. the the presentation of it I felt was wasn't was off. It wasn't, you know, when you watch a musical, 
you you see like it's a musical. You see the people's mouths. You see the actions. Like the, what they're singing about has to do with the like, yeah, like the songs are kind of fits together. Yeah, the songs aren't for mood. The songs are plot. The songs are dialogue. Yeah, and it, and yeah. for me it wasn't treated that way, and that that's that threw me off um, on several of the uh, of the music sequences. Yeah, I think with with all of these Disney remakes, maybe even with remakes in general, I don't know. I, I feel like there's there's this sort of uh, this thing that happens in them that I call karaoke. Uh, I it's like especially with with this Aladdin one. I, I was bringing it up in my review of it, where it's just like you're you're saying a line that was in the original, and the only reason you're saying it is because it was in the original, and you're you know. I, I equate it to karaoke because it's like imagine you go you're, you're settling in for a nice night of karaoke James and you got all your buddies with you and you're you're at a karaoke bar and imagine you're a huge fan of Journey and uh, well aren't we all aren't we all a huge fan of Journey but imagine you're a huge fan of Journey and some guy goes up takes the stage and he's like I'm gonna sing some Journey for you and then uh, he, they they cue up the 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 first opening beats there of Don't Stop Believing and this guy just says this he just clears his throat and he goes just a small town girl. Living in a lonely world, and you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, if you're not going to commit to that Journey song, why did you stand up there and say, I'm going to sing Journey? And I feel like that's the same sort of problem these remakes are, are having, but it's even more amplified because these remakes are being made by skilled people with a lot of money. Um, with Aladdin, there, there was a moment early in the movie where you know he's, he, he just finished like helping those kids out and he gave the kids some food and stuff and then that guy comes by on the horse and it looks like he's gonna bowl the kids over or something because he's, he's just he's, he's piloting that horse like a jerk and he's not minding where he's going and Aladdin kind of gets in the way and is like hey don't freaking hurt those kids you jerk and, and they have this little altercation and in the animated movie the guy he's talking to on the horse has this line where he basically he cusses out Aladdin and he says he calls him a street rat and he says this line with this inflection. He says, You were born a street rat. You'll die a street rat. And only your fleas will mourn you. So when they were making this film, they took that line because they're like, Oh, that's in Latin. That's in the OG. We got to carry it over. And they gave it to this actor who's on a horse. And the way he delivered it was, You're born a street rat. You'll die a street rat. And only your fleas will mourn you. And I... At that point, that's that's when it becomes karaoke to me. It's like, okay, I I respect that you're trying to respect the original thing, but if if your actor or your character just can't put the same love into a line, then don't just say the line for the sake of saying something that was said in 1992. You know, at that point, we can see through the illusion. We can see that you're just karaokeing your way through this film, and that happens a lot in these Disney ones and other remakes and and. That's why that's one of the many reasons why these ones just really just kind of turned me off, and I, I'd rather just stick with what we got before. You know what I mean? Uh, no, you. I don't know. I never know. What you I mean. lost you entirely. No, I'm joking. I I, yeah, no, I completely <laughs> agree. There's, I it's just you know it. I'm curious. The Lion King is going to make a lot of money because it's mm-hmm, the Lion yeah. King, and then the the thing is, is Lion King Aladdin. It's the songs. It's like when you watch Bohemian Rhapsody. That wasn't a good movie. I don't care what anyone says. That movie wasn't good. But you know what was good? The Queen music. And as soon as the music hits, you're like, "Frick, I love this. I'll watch it again." But the movie's not good. <laughs> it's not good. It's like snapshots. Of, it's not. It's not a full story. And it's you know it was well acted, fine. But 
you like the music, you like the music, and music can hook you. That's how it is. It's like Star Wars. I, Star Wars might be a terrible movie, but the music's awesome. Mm-hmm. Music. Yeah, I, I can, like, I, I get behind the idea of, of you know digging the music and um, of sort of wanting to hear it again, but. As much as I love the songs from Lion King, and those are some of the best songs Disney's made, there's nothing that's going to get my butt in that theater, you know, to want to sit there and be like, oh, wow, now Beyonce's a lion. Neat. But I don't understand. Like, they got James Earl Jones to come back to do the voice of Mufasa. Mm -hmm. But, like, I'm just looking at, like, but some of the other ones are so perfect, too. Like, why? Why not just get the entire voice cast back? <laughs> you know that. Hey, Jeremy Irons is still working. That, He's still that great. actually of all of them, Scar is the one that I'm I'm most. And I know um, was he's a good actor, but I just he's not Jeremy Irons. His voice is not Jeremy Irons. It's not distinct like that. So that one's mm-hmm. really like I don't know, kind of like and in Aladdin, Jafar was the one that really and apparently the Be Prepared the song is cut for this new Beyonce song. And I'm not going to lie, I you know I heard she wrote it, and it's probably whatever, but I am not looking forward to Beyonce's song that is not from the animated movie because the last two that I saw were songs made up for them. Those songs were, they were not, the Beauty and the Beast song was garbage, and the Aladdin song felt like it was from a different movie than Aladdin. Uh, so I'm not looking forward to this this null the new Nala song I'll call it I, I think we all know that uh, this now means that your next movie should be a musical I think that's what I want to I would see. love to do it but honestly James Rizile's musical you gotta write it all you gotta you gotta Lin-Manuel your way through a script put your money where your wait. mouth is kid make a musical and <laughs> prove Guy Ritchie <laughs> that you could do it better than he can yeah you're you're right about the money, though. Lion King is going to make two bajillion dollars. Uh, people are going to go nuts for it because that's just what people do with with these Disney remakes. They they just go nuts, and for some reason, people who are Beyonce fans are just rabid. I don't understand the appeal, but uh, they're, all those rabid fans are going to watch that movie 19 times, so that movie is going to make a buttload of money. I'm perfectly fine. I own the DVD of the Lion King. Uh, with with the with the OG animation, I'm perfectly fine just watching that because uh, uh, in that one they won't cut. Be prepared to make room for uh, an egotistical pop star's new song, which probably is not going to be amazing. Ouch! But that's just me. Yeah, ouch! I went there. I went there. I'm not a Beyonce fan. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a Donald Glover fan though, and I love the guy, and I I, I think he's a great uh, a great fit for Simba. But that's not enough to make me uh, tune in. Same with Chiyotel Ejiofor. I love the guy too, but. You know, just because I like the cast. I loved the cast of Jungle Book, and we all know how that turned out. Yeah, his voice uh, <laughs> isn't as distinct as Jeremy Irons, though. I'm, unless no, he's no. doing something with it. I don't know. I, I, you know, and I haven't seen it, so I'm not going to judge it. But I'm just saying, well, Jeremy Irons is so great as Scar. James Earl Jones is so great as Mufat. Like, just keep him. I don't know. Did, did they say, if Miss, is Mr. Bean coming back? No, it's, um, what's that comedian's name? Tomorrow Tonight. Oh, John Oliver? Yeah. Last week's an ah, uh, meh. I mean, he does sound like him. I'll give it that. He he sounds a lot like like Zazu, so it'll probably be pretty close. Um, as long as they don't um, <laughs> go the route of Iago, just be like, let's have him not say much and, and be less interesting. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's Disney for you. 
but let's let's move on to another segment, James. This segment, uh, this is a segment called "This Week in Geek" because that rhymes. See, we're one step closer to that musical movie. Already. One step we're, closer to the musical. There. Oh, see that? See what James just yeah. did? That's called a callback. Yeah. Uh, now, normally, how this segment's going to work in future episodes is we talk about the news, the entertainment news. Uh, Movies, TV, books, video games, all kinds of... Anything and everything in entertainment that has come out since the last episode. Again, since this is our first one, I'm just going to sort of lump together some really recent things and kind of get your your take on it, get my take on it, ask the folks at home what their take on it is. And I want to start, James, with E3, the Electronic Entertainment Expo, because I think it's funny. You and I are both very, very picky with video games, but in very, very different ways. Uh, What kind of gamer are you? I'm a two-second gamer. Ooh, that's what she said. I believe I'm actually oh, I'm a 10-minute gamer is what I like to refer You're to myself as. Yeah. I'm the kind of guy who likes to pick up a game, play it for, you know, maybe like a half hour, hour, and then I put it down and that's that. Um, so that's, yeah, like I like Super Mario Brothers. I do like Zelda and stuff like that. You got me on Shenmue, which I enjoy. Uh, and I've enjoyed the uh, the two Battlefront movies that have come out recently. Movies, games have come out recently, <laughs> and uh, I they're uh, about as long as movies. Yeah, I try. Which is long enough for me. And I I don't <laughs> know. And, and then there's Spider. I'm playing Spider Man, but I can't get into it. There's just so much going on that I lose interest in what it is. To be honest, is it? Uh, it it's apparently they, it is promised. I've not played it yet. I. I found it on sale, but I haven't popped it in yet. But apparently, it's the start of a Marvel video game universe. Is that? Have you seen signs of that yet? Does that sound like it's happening? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I like it's Spider Man. So it sounds riveting. Well, it like, sounds like, a like riveting you game. swing around New York, and they're like, you could go and fight this gang. I'm like, I don't really don't want to. What the hell's the plot? Like, just tell me where I'm going in the story. And they're like, it's Kingpin in it. That's all I. Yeah, about. you start off fighting Kingpin. Oh, I, so actually, the plot the plot's cool because you fight Kingpin and then you throw Kingpin in jail and be, and he's like, "You're going to regret this, Spider Man." And because you throw Kingpin in jail, it allows all these like smaller criminals to kind of come out of the, the hiding because Kingpin was organ all of the crime was organized under him in New York. Mm. So that kind of sets off the chain of events of of the game, and and then you help out Doc Ock in his like lab, and. uh He's not a he's not an octopus at this point. He's just Doctor Octavius. He's still yeah, he's still being. he's Doctor Octavius, and he doesn't look en- he doesn't look enough like Elton John for me to believe he's Doc Ock. But whatever. <laughs> um, so I guess there you go. Your next Doc Ock should be Taron Egerton. Is who you should have as Doc yes. Ock. Make it yeah. happen. And halfway through the movie, he'll he'll jump into a rousing rendition of "The Bitch Is Back" and fight Spider Man in the middle of it. See, that's why you don't put Kingpin in jail. That's why he's yeah. the greatest comic book villain of all time. Because as soon as you take him down, guess what? You create a power vacuum and you make things worse for yourself. Daredevil learned that the hard way. So just let Kingpin do what he has to do. Exactly. Uh, but E three came out. E three was a thing. It's it's uh, the expo where they talk about games and and they mentioned a few games. Now, I, I mentioned I'm picky as well. I am picky with games in a different way. I like games where I'm getting my money's worth because guess what? Video games nowadays, at least here in Canada, they cost 90 real Canadian dollars once tax is all said and done and everything. If you're buying a brand new game, you are paying very, very close to 100 bucks before you walk out of that store. So I, being a cheap man that I am, I want to make sure that what I'm buying is worth every penny. 
And that's why games that are very, very small, like like the Battlefronts um, or like Call of Duties and whatnot, games that are just focused on like, go online and shoot some folks, that doesn't fly with me because guess what? That $100, I, I want it to, you know, I want to stretch that $100 as far as I can. Like right now I'm playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which is like, that Assassin's Creed is one of my favorite series ever. Like it's up there with Zelda and Shenmue. And Odyssey is one of the best in the series. You're running through ancient Greece. I fought a Minotaur, James. I fought a Minotaur in that game. Can any of your Battlefronts or Call of Duties say that? I'm going to play Call of Duty, but Battlefront is better than Assassin's Creed. I said uh, it. I don't know. I said it. I got you to. I got it. to you said I, it, but is it true? Yeah, because I go online and every time I play it, it's a different game. That's true. You get shot by a different person from a different part of the world. Well, unless I shoot them first. The unless you shoot them first. Uh, but it, with Assassin's Creed, there's a, there's that neat little thing where you, um, you know, when you select the game at the beginning and you're like, okay, continue game from where I left off. It tells you how long you've been playing. I am currently in Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Uh, to give you an idea of this is why I like these kind of games, I am currently 122 hours into Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and I am not close to beating it yet. Uh, that's that that to me is my $100 well spent. And I don't even pay $100 for Assassin's Creed Odyssey because I got it during a uh, Boxing Week sale for 30 bucks. So my 30 bucks has given me a hell of a lot of joy. Um, and uh, so when I, when I tune into something like E3, I'm very picky. I want to see gameplay and I want to see proof that this is a, a, a game that's going to stretch my money to the limit. And one of the things they announced was a... It, it was... A Zelda Breath of the Wild sequel. And I want to kind of get your opinion on this because I think that this was, you know, a Zelda game announcement period should be the cause for celebration, James. It should be something that, you know, I rip off my shirt and I dance down the street with glee. But when they announced this, it was it was a really lame announcement. They literally just, they, they showed some cinematics. Uh, so no gameplay, first of all. And, and uh, they ended it, they didn't give us a title, they didn't give us a release date. All they said was they ended it with like a, a text coming on the screen that just says, a sequel to Zelda Breath of the Wild is in development. Period. The end. And to me, I don't know if you disagree or not, but to me that is that is nothing. Like that is not a story. That is not an announcement. That is nothing. Because guess what? Yeah, we kind of figured ever since the last Zelda came out that the next one was in development. And in development is such a broad term, it could mean anything. It could literally mean that just a guy is sitting, you know, at a desk at Nintendo somewhere uh, drawing a, a skeleton and he shows it to his boss. And he's like, hey, boss, do you think the skeleton looks good for Zelda? And she might look at it and be like, nah, I don't like that skeleton. Redesign it. And like that could be all they have. And that qualifies as in development. So I think this trailer should have been amazing. It should have made me ecstatic and excited for Zelda. But it, it really just sort of kind of bummed me out. Um, how do you feel about this? Did you see that trailer, first of all? Uh, yeah, I was okay with it only because it was an announcement. And I think all I wanted to do was say, hey, this is coming. Go buy your Nintendo. Uh, that, that's, ah, okay. that, for me, that's what it was. It, there's no date. We don't know when it's coming. It's still like a couple years away. So they don't have a title because, you know, why would they have it? I don't think they're going to call it Breath of the Wild 2. Uh, I hope not. Although, that would be a first for Zelda, so we'll see. But I don't think they'll call it that. Um, so I think they're very early on still in this, and there's not a lot to show. They just want to say, hey, this is coming. Get excited. Go buy your Nintendos. Yeah. 
You know, there's um, there's there's hype, and I think that this this sort of walked the line between hype, but hype for something that we kind of already knew. Like that would be like if Kevin Feige made like this big announcement, and he's like, "Guys, Phase Four is in development." It's like, okay, <laughs> we we know. Um, I I think that they they could have saved the like they the press conference, Nintendo's press conference ended with this. Like it's like a big deal. I think that if you had just announced this in like an article somewhere, like on IGN and been like, Hey, yeah, we're, you know, we're, you know, we have this development. Here's some screenshots. Here's like a little video. I think it would have fared better, but for them to end it on this note to be like, guys, get on the edge of your seat and get ready for our final climax of our press conference. We are going to blow you away with something that's kind of like an announcement, but not really. Uh, so I, I kind of wish they had um, maybe saved that. But uh, they did announce, not Nintendo, but they did announce uh, at, at E3, they announced a game called Watch Dogs Legion that I think is going to be a lot of fun. Because you're in post-Brexit London, James, and you can play as anybody. Have you heard about I this? I have not heard about this, and it sounds, uh, I guess, amazing. It's it looks pretty damn cool. I don't know if you're familiar with Watch Dogs at all, but it's uh, it, it's essentially um, you are in the the very near future, and everybody's hacking phones and things like that, and you you kind of play like this vigilante who's trying to take down this big corporation that owns all these uh, um, electronic surveillance things, and it's kind of like Grand Theft Auto, but you are Edward Snowden, and you're like stop infringing on people's privacy. And to fight this sort of corporate power, you, uh, you you kind of like hack your way through the city. And if you're being chased by the cops, for example, you can hack into the streetlights so that uh, you make them all green. And then the cops get into a collision behind you because, you know, all these green lights, all the cars are going crazy. It's very, um, very like fun sort of like cat and mouse games uh, through hacking. And it's, it's they have this cool story, this cool world behind it. And. They uh, just announced at E3 the world premiere of the third game, Watch Dogs Legion. First game took place in Chicago. I actually got to check, like walk around in the game and the place where I was when I went to Chicago for Star Wars Celebration. So that was kind of fun. Uh, second place, uh, second game was in San Francisco. So you can walk across the Golden Gate Bridge and you can hack your way into Alcatraz. That is the thing that they do. Now this third one is going to be in post-Brexit London. It's very dystopian. There are like... British stormtroopers everywhere being like, "Oi, let me see your identification, Gufna." Like it's 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 really uh like hardcore, very very um like neo-noir-esque, very Blade Runner-esque just without flying cars because uh I think we're good for for cars on the ground. But their their stick James, what I really liked about this game is that there's no main protagonist. You are playing as a team of hackers and every time a hacker dies in the field, they're dead. You can't play as that character again. But the trade-off is you can recruit anybody you see walking through the streets of London, anybody who's not like a security guard or a criminal or a bad guy. You can do a mission to get them to trust you so that you recruit them and they join your sort of hacking anonymous conglomerate and they become a playable character. You can switch between at any time. And that includes old ladies. Would you want to play as an old lady? shooting people and using drones because i sure as hell that'd actually be the most accurate of how i actually play games so yes (laughs) (laughs) i i this like it just it looked so groundbreaking and uh i i think that 
it's it's almost underestimated how groundbreaking it is. Like it hasn't really been the talk of the town, I guess, since it came out, and I feel like it should be because that sounds like that sounds hard to program. Do you, I don't know anything about programming, but doesn't that sound like that would be really tricky to make? Like a game where you can literally be like, I'm going to play as that guy and that girl and those people there. Like, how do you begin to do that? Every game is like an anomaly, anomaly to me. I don't even anomaly to me. <laughs> I can't. I, I like you know back when I was a kid playing eight eight. Uh, Eight, eight, uh, wow. Eight bit games. <laughs> That's the I word. Stop learning how to talk. Back when I was playing eight bit games as a kid, it seemed very simple. You know, you, you start here and you go back and forth. Now I'm like, I don't know where they begin to create these games. Yeah, it's, uh, you, it, you gotta be like some genius level programming to do that. I give kudos to everybody who makes games, even games I don't like. Even your, your your calls of duties and your spec ops the lines, I'm not a fan, but you know what? If you worked on those, kudos, my friend, because you are smarter with computers than I will ever be, and you did a pretty damn good job, because guess what? All those human beings you rendered look like human beings. I couldn't do that. Uh, let's uh, let's move on to, uh, this is a fun little little uh, piece of news here. This is the 30th anniversary of something, James. You know what, uh, what the 30th anniversary is uh, right now? Tiny Toons? Uh, close, but far off at the same time. No, this is the 30-year anniversary of an evening where Michael Keaton was on, I believe, the David Letterman show promoting Batman, the first Batman, which was about to come out the next day. And on David Letterman, Michael Keaton accidentally spoiled the big plot point and uh, actually got kind of, not booze from the audience, but kind of like a negative reaction for the audience. Like, a, oh, you know, like, a, why did you tell us that, Michael? Uh, he spoiled, he was talking to, to David and David's asking about him and about the Joker and how the movie's going to be and everything like that. And Michael straight up spoils that. Uh, he's like, I, oh, I find out later in the movie that the Joker is the one who killed my family all along. Uh, can you imagine that happening in today's day and age? Did you watch that? First of all, did you watch that David Letterman sketch uh, uh, that, or clip? I should say. No, I would have only been, I would have just turned eight. Uh, eight years mm-hmm. old. I, you had other, you had more important I, things to I, do at that point. Oddly enough, that year I got a skateboard and a bow and arrow for my birthday, and oh. and this year on my thirty years later, I actually got a real uh, bow and arrow, like a real archery. <laughs> it's like it comes full circle. I was like, now I just need a longboard, and we can complete the thirty year transition. <laughs> uh, no, I I would have. I, I was a kid. I remember being excited for that movie coming out. I went to Florida that summer, and it was huge in Florida. It was everywhere. Everywhere was Batman, Batman, Batman. Uh, my sister got Batman trading cards. Uh, and then for Christmas that year, uh, I got my, my grandparents got it for me on VHS. And that's the first time I watched Batman. Uh, I, was on, I did see it in a the theater um, like five or six years ago with our good friend Rob McDonald. It was playing at a theater. We went to go see it. Oh, cool. But no, I didn't watch Letterman back then because I don't think I was allowed to stay up until that time. But uh, and you know what? I actually have never seen that clip. Oh, it's it's available right now because they're they're talking about it all over. I think you can see it on Screen Rant, but it's pretty funny. And Michael kind of catches himself right away too. He's like, "Yeah, you know, the Joker killed my parents, but I don't find that out till later in the movie." And then he just kind of stops dead, and he's like, "Probably shouldn't have given that away." <laughs> um, and it, it, it's just sort of it's funny how. Back then, spoiler culture was non-existent. Uh, I don't even think the word spoiler was, you know, being spoken, at least pertaining to movies. Uh, maybe if you were a car aficionado, that's a different story. 
but they uh, they really kind of it, it, the clip kind of goes to show like how far we've come. Where it's like nowadays, all he like if J.J. Abrams was making that movie nowadays, all Michael would be able to say was. Batman is in the movie. I, you know it. what? We might not even be told that uh, that uh, what's his face that plays uh, the Joker. No, Eckhart. <laughs> Eckhart. Oh, think yeah. about the future. Um, Porkins, that yeah. guy. We pro- he probably be like, I'm in the movie, and then be like told like, don't let anyone know you're in the movie. Just like Matt mm-hmm. Smith, which makes no sense still. Things are. T- this like, oh, oh my God! Is he going to be Penguin? Is he going to be Riddler? Yeah. And he's like, No, I'm Eckhart. Exactly. But you know what's amazing though is is Michael Keaton. That happens. Michael Keaton spoils the movie for all the people that watched Letterman and and watched. Um, you were in the the audience and all that, and it still made money and uh, people still love the movie and it didn't end up hurting anything. Exactly, and that was one of the biggest movies of all time. I think being so. too secretive hurts you more than. I think, you know, like saying that's a little bit much, but I think being too secretive hurts you almost as much as spoiling everything. There's a fine line and you have to find it. And I think uh, sometimes they try too hard to keep things a secret and sometimes they don't try enough. Just be like, you know what? Don't spoil the big plot points. Just the rest of the movie. Like if Matt Smith is in Star Wars, we can know that he's in Star Wars. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And if it's not gonna like, hurt they let us know that that Palpatine's coming back and like I'm sure that's a surprise because even if it happens in the first five minutes, it's still a surprise. Uh, that's mm-hmm. that's a pet peeve of mine is when somebody goes see a movie and they're like, okay, so then uh, this person dies. That's not a spoiler. It happens in the first minute. Yeah, but I still haven't seen the movie. So everything right. that happens in that movie is unknown to me. So why, like, just because it happens early doesn't make it any less uh, impactful. So that that's a pet peeve of mine. Yeah, there you gotta you gotta find the balance between what to say and what not to say. And uh, I think a lot of movies have found that balance, but uh, I think sometimes, as much as we love him, JJ does tend to get carried away with stuff like that. Uh, just just tell us if Matt Smith's in the movie or not. You don't, you don't, you don't gotta play games. Um, I think a series that has been doing okay uh, is in terms of that, in terms of secrecy, is Marvel. You know, they tell you some things, they tell you, uh, they keep other things close to the chest. And we got a Marvel film coming out very shortly. We got Spider Man Far From Home. Now, I wanna talk to you, I just wanna get your quick opinion on. The post-credit scenes, because apparently there are two of them, James. And from what the the brouhaha, the the chatter around the campfire right now is that these two scenes are quote uh, very pivotal end quote for Marvel's Phase Four. Uh, so if you were a betting man, and I think you are, because you and I lost thirty-two grand at the craps table last week, and don't worry, yeah. I promise not to tell Aaron. Uh, what what do you think we're going to see in these scenes? Very pivotal. Well, I've heard... So I keep hearing Norman Osborn uh, mm-hmm. is going to be a big player. in the, he, I mean, he might be the Thanos of Phase 4. Oh. Yeah, that, wow. I, like, he could be that, that scale. So uh, I don't know if it'll be Norman Osborn right now because I don't think they've casted him. Although I was kind of intrigued by the uh, uh, Matthew McConaughey playing Norman Osborn. I did not hear that. I heard about them wanting him to be Adam Warlock, but Norman Osborn is an interesting yeah, choice think, for him. I think he's interesting as Adam Warlock or no, as uh, Norman Osborn. Could you could you take Green Goblin seriously though? If he sounded like he was from Texas, like Spider-Man, just gonna just gonna throw his yeah. Because I think he could be like face. slick and nasty. Mm. Like you know what I mean? Like like he's cunning and and but he's also like 
the women love him and the guys are like he's super cool but really he's just like I'm I'm a dick <laughs> you know like and, and like I could really see like how, how Michael Keaton has like that car scene with Peter Parker Michael Keaton has that yeah. it's like that with McConaughey something like that with like you know with uh, I don't even whoever the hell is left in the MCU but someone like those kind of scenes I think he could do very well um, uh, so I, I don't know if it'll be Osborne maybe something with Oscorp uh, but I you know I don't but then you think you gotta think outside the box cause you know just because you go see an Ant-Man movie doesn't mean the post credit scene is Ant-Man. Yeah. So, you know, it, I kind of, I think it would be super cool if it was uh, uh, Valkyrie or Guardians. Ooh. Those are the two that, Ooh, like, show me, like, the Guardians, you know, you have Thor and the, and the Guardians out there looking for uh, What's-Her-Face and uh, Gamora, and, and instead they encounter something that will set up a chain of events. And well, I, I will never say no to Valkyrie because I'm yes. unabashedly in love with Tessa Thompson and I'm not afraid to admit it. Tessa, call me. You know where to reach me. Have your people email I, my people. I just hope that um, Loki's dead. Yeah, or, or, or gone or just like not in this timeline anymore. And, you know, we don't have we don't see him anymore. Like, let, like, let that slide. Let that let it be Disney Plus only. Let him do his thing. But like, yeah, I'm fine with him living there. Back. Yeah, I'm sick of the movies. You know yeah. what? I, you know, what was funny was when I watched uh, Endgame, I think I was the only person, I guess, that never thought of multiple timelines. Mm. I just watched it. And I took it for what it was. And um, right. And, and then people are like, but what timeline do you think? Cap went back in. I'm like, I don't know, hours? Like, that's the movie I'm watching is this one. Like, I didn't... I, well, I mm-hmm. also, when I went into Endgame, uh, my two thoughts were uh, Tony was going to, to die um, and Captain America was going to stay in 1940-whatever, like, back in time with uh, What's-Her-Face. Those were my two things that I... Wow, you called it, huh? Yeah, that was... A guy at work asked me, and, the, and those were the two things that I said. I'm like, I don't really know what to expect. I'm like, but I kind of think... Well, I told you way early. Like, I always thought as soon as Tony Stark was... Intru- or Peter Parker was introduced to the MCU, and he didn't have an Uncle Ben, he needed an Uncle Ben moment, and the only person to give him the Uncle Ben moment would be Stark. So Stark... Ha- Uncle Tony. Yeah, so, so Tony Stark has to die, and he has to do it in a way in front of Peter Parker to show him that with great power comes great responsibility. That's the whole mantra of Spider-Man. And you're, if you're not going to do that, there needs to be a moment that showcases that. And I thought they pulled that off perfectly in the movie. Um, do you think it'll be a, like some kind of deleted scene now where like Peter Parker is, is at the top of his game... You know, he's being Spider-Man and we see a point where like Thanos runs by with a bag of money and the cops are like, hey, stop that guy. And Peter's like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, that's going to happen. <laughs> well, it's not the exact same, but, it, but Peter shows up. But, yeah. but Tony showed him that, look, with what I have, I have this massive responsibility and that might mean sacrificing my life. And now and that's also on you and everybody else here. So I and I think, you know, from the trailer from Far From Home, we kind of get that, that that's the undertone of it, right? Like Tony Stark's passing has a huge impact on him. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah. So anyway, when I when I, when I saw, it, I never thought of timelines because those were two outcomes that I thought were nece- uh, like were necessities for the MCU. I just thought Captain America's oh, his whole purpose was to be with uh, Agent Carter. Like that's mm-hmm. all he ever wanted. That was the only time he was happy, unless he kissed her granddaughter. Like that was the only time they were happy. He he was happy. That that's where he's <laughs> from. He was a man out of time, and 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 yeah. So that's. So I, for me, you know, 
I don't care about timelines. So I hope they don't. I hope they don't play too much with timelines. But I kind of feel like they'll be. Uh, I don't know. Mysterio is already like I'm from a different dimension or whatever. And I'm like, are are you? I don't know. Are you? I I I take everything he says with a grain of salt because yeah. he's the master of trickery and illusion anyway. But I love. Like, I, I did not think of this at all, the, the Norman Osborn thing you bring up. I, I love that so much. And, and the reason why I love it so much is because when I think back to, like, when Avengers was first coming out, like the first one, and then I was like, hey, I like this. And then, you know, this Age of Ultron came out, and I'm like, hey, this is more fun, too. Um, but one thing that I felt like the Avengers movies were missing was, okay, you've got this big team, like a, a collective team of superheroes, and they always seem to just be fighting one villain. And I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool if, like, the, the, the adversary in an Avengers film was a collective team of supervillains to kind of balance it out? And we almost got that in Infinity War with, with Thanos' Black Order. Like, they had, you know, personalities and different powers and stuff. But nobody really, I mean, unless you're, like, a you know... Unless you're Josh Lucas from Den of Nerds or somebody who really knows comics, you probably don't know who the Black Order is. You're probably not familiar with them uh, or, like, what they can do. So I always thought it'd be cool if there was uh, an Avengers film where it's, like, the Avengers versus, you know, the evil Avengers versus, like, a bunch of supervillains that we are all more or less familiar with. And it's just this giant kind of smackdown thing. And if I'm not mistaken, in the comics, that's one thing that Norman Osborn ended up doing was he put together a group called the Thunderbolts, I believe. And the Thunderbolts was like him, Venom, um, like Baron Zemo, some other villains, like a, like a six or seven roster group of villains, and they just gave the Avengers a hard time. Does that sound fun to you? Because that sounds pretty fun to me. Yeah, Absolutely. I think uh, the problem I think with Age of Ultron is, and, and those, the first two, the first Avengers is what it is, and it ends with Thanos, and everybody, half the people in the theater are like, "Who was that guy?" Mm-hmm. And then Age of Ultron comes, and it's so disconnected from everything that, that yeah, you start now. Like they, they look, they were getting their feet wet. Is really what was happening. They're trying to figure out what they were doing. What what was this thing that they were creating? Yeah. And now they have it. So I think Phase Four will be a lot of a lot of disappointments in Phase Four. But I think it's going to be. We'll look back on it, uh, and we'll look back on it with fonder feelings of it than Phase One, Phase Two, Phase whatever the hell the phases are. The next phase. <laughs> Whatever the next saga BS name they come up with will be looked at with greater feel. It'll be better than the Infinity Saga as a whole, is what I'm trying to say. I, I hope it's the Howard the Duck Saga. Oh, please. <laughs> uh, now, speaking of, of Howard the Duck, uh, let's go into our final segment here. Uh, this one uh, is called With All Due Retrospect. And With All Due Retrospect is going to be a fun little segment where um, me and whoever is on the show, this time you didn't get to do it because it's the first one and we're all, you know, we're crazy, whatever, and we just kind of planned this on the fly. But With All Due Retrospect is going to see me and possibly my guest uh, watching something that's old now, that's, that's, that's been, you know, around for a while, that maybe we haven't seen in many, many years, and just kind of revisiting it and uh, talking about how it holds up, if it holds up, and if it's the same as we remembered. Uh, I got to give credit 
where credit is due, though, because this, like uh, like most of the topics today, this was not my uh, my idea. Uh, the at least as far as the structure goes, this this came from uh, our good buddy, uh, uh, a uh, mutual friend of ours, Robin Williams. Uh, Robin is actually not the Robin Williams you're thinking of, not the uh, the superstar actor uh, of uh, Man of the Year fame, but uh, just a friend of ours uh, who went to the same high school named Robin Williams. And he came up with this idea. So the the movie that I chose to watch with all due retrospect was Rambo First Blood. Okay. And uh, I, I figured the, the, it was a safe bet to go with because everybody knows Rambo. Uh, so we can all kind of collectively talk about it and remember it. And also because, guess what? Rambo Last Blood is coming out later this year. I think it's coming out in September or something. Uh which does not uh, bode well. I mean, September is kind of a dumping ground, but regardless, it, it's going to be a thing in a few months. So, James, what, what was the last time you watched Rambo First Blood? That's a great question. <laughs> it's been a... I don't even know. It's honestly been... It's been a long, long time. Maybe that's what you were watching the night that Michael Keaton was on the David Letterman probably. show. And you were like, I don't care about this. Yeah, you're right. That's yeah. probably what it, that's probably what an eight year old was going <laughs> to put on. Actually, you know what? Back then, we probably would. Yeah. Back back in the eighties, it was you know it was so much easier to to become beloved by children as if if you're a movie, regardless of you know how R rated you are, how violent you are. I mean, remember the kids loved. The Goonies and Monster Squad. Those movies are full of profanity and we did not care one bit because we love them so much. Um, and I think same deal with stuff like Ghostbusters, Rambo. Like they, they are full of adult themes, adult words, adult situations, but uh, we all love them anyway. And Rambo First Blood was... It was fun to revisit. I haven't watched it since... I think the last time I watched it was in... I, I'm going to say 10 years ago give or take. And all I remembered really was that, oh, this is the one that's like the most grounded in reality because he's just fighting cops. He's fresh out of Vietnam and he's just fighting corrupt cops and everything else. He's always like in the jungle, you know, and he's, he's, he's got like a knife in his mouth and he's covered in mud and, and he's like cutting the throats of like, like terrorists and like Viet Cong people and stuff like that. So that, that was, that was like the broad strokes idea in my head of what first blood was. Uh, it, it, it really was just like, yeah, it's Rambo, but he's just fighting cops in like in a town that looks kind of like Twin Peaks. He's just in the Pacific Northwest somewhere. And that's pretty much what it ended up being. Uh, but it is a lot more um, uh, poignant than that. It's a lot more poignant than I think a lot of 80s action films were. Uh, first of all, I want to talk about the title really quickly here. You know me, James. You've seen my, my DVD shelf. I am... A stickler for alphabetizing movies. Uh, I think uh, I'm not lying, right? You've seen it. Yeah, no, it's insane. Uh, are you the same way? I've never seen your collection. Are you the same way with movies? Um, I used to be. Now they're all in like a bunch of bins. So now that now they're out of order. They used to be in some kind of order, and then they usually get mixed up. But yeah, it'd be alphabetical for the most part. It's it's just easier, right? It's just easier to kind of pick them up off the shelf. It looks nicer. It, it, uh, it calms down my, my anal retentiveness to, to know that everything's in order. And with the Rambo series in particular, you know, it's one of those ones where basically the title changed over time. Uh, it was just called First Blood and then it just turned into Rambo and all that stuff. 
And the way I like to categorize DVDs or what have you is, yeah, everything's alphabet like everything's alphabetized, but I I like to put series together because it just makes more sense to me. Like for example, Batman Begins. I got that under B for Batman because that's what it starts with. That that it, it's plain and simple. But then he got the Dark Knight that follows it. I don't put that under D. I put that right after Batman Begins. And I've gotten flack from that from some people. They're like, oh, but if you're alphabetizing, you should put the Dark Knight with D. Because it starts... I'm like, yeah, but it's it's part of the series. Uh, I it, That would mess me up if I had a sequel somewhere else entirely. Um, so with, with the Rambo series, it was a headache just thinking about... Like, I remember when I was like thinking, like, oh, I want to buy the Rambo movies... It was a headache to me, and I shouldn't. I know it's the stupidest thing to get a headache over, but I was like, "How the hell do I do this? Do I put it under F for First Blood, and then have you know just all the other ones come after it, or do I just stick it under R for Rambo and call it a day?" Because it basically, over time, the title was sort of officially, but not officially, changed to Rambo colon First Blood. So, I, before I tell you what I did, I want to get your opinion. What do you, what would you have done uh, with that? Uh, with that DVD, with alphabetizing in mind as a priority. Burn it. Burn it to the ground. That's the right answer. Yeah. That's the exact right answer I wanted to hear. <laughs> so, so okay, on my Apple TV, right, I have st- – let's, let's use Star Wars as an example. So there's Star Wars um, Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. And then there's Solo, A Star Wars Story. And there's Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. So the thing that ticks me off is Rogue One is under R. It's, so it's not okay. it's not clumped in with the Star Wars movies, and that's a, uh, that okay, is it's accurate, but it's also wrong. Yeah, there's there's a lot of gray areas like that. Like, I have Star Wars under S, you know, under S for Star, but I because Rogue One is a spinoff, it's it's under R. Um, it, I I gotta be kind of like I I, I kind of have to look at every series individually and be like okay what are the rules for this series because now it's so complicated but but it's r under under the star wars name though so that's that's where it's confusing so it's actually under it's s but so it would be s but it would be after after it would be after return of the jedi yes uh I, i don't think you're wrong for putting it there i don't think you're wrong at all i think it's it really comes down to preference when it's things like that because they're so, you know, it's such a gray area. Like, I know people who, they you know, they buy the Marvel movies and they put them all together. And I'm like, nah, man, I, I can't do that. Like, I can't have, like, Captain America followed right away by, like, Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, Captain America's got to go under C. Guardians has to go under G. Uh, and with Rambo, what I ended up doing was I was kind of saved by the product itself where I bought... A uh, like a bundle pack that had the first three Rambo movies and it was just called the Rambo bundle pack so I didn't have to worry about having a DVD that just said First Blood with a big shiny F right on front. It just said Rambo on it so I'm like okay, it's just I'm going to call it Rambo colon First Blood and stick it under R for Rambo and call it a day but that series is probably the hardest one that I've had to struggle with alphabetizing uh, but that's uh, that is a very very first world problem um, but back to the movie. First Blood is like you. Um, would you categorize it as an action movie, or would you categorize it as an action drama? I know we don't like 
sticking labels on these things, but it's so, you know, it's so much more than just a typical ladies action movie that I don't know. I feel like it deserves some kind of differentiation when it comes to that. It kind of fell into the trap of a lot of movies like that, where we remember it as something that it's actually not Mm -hmm. like alien. The first alien isn't, you know, it's, you know, that horror movie in space, but it's like a slow drawn out store film. But everybody, you know, you remember Aliens and Rambo. You kind of remember it for what it became. Uh, so I would go action drama if I had to put it into any category. Yeah, I think I agree with you, and I, I really like what you just said there. It it's it's remembered for what it became, because that's really true in terms of Rambo. It, it became you know this guy in a bandana running around in like Afghanistan or the jungles or wherever he is, just shooting terrorists. And when we think of Rambo, we don't think subtle. Like, that's not the word that comes to mind. We think of, you know, he's got a machine gun and he's not even aiming and he's just spraying bullets all over the place. That image has become synonymous with Rambo. And it's it's kind of, it, it's fun. I mean, they're, <clears throat> excuse me, Rambo 2 and 3 are fun movies. Um, even Rambo 4, I've only seen it once, but I don't, you know, I don't remember hating it. Um, but First Blood, Rambo colon First Blood, excuse me is it's it's that plus more it's that plus like guys here's this really sad story of basically a a vietnam vet who's just a homeless drifter now and he's just being mistreated and it 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 adds this layer to it that as much as we love the gooey 80s cheese of the other ones they don't have that layer as far as i remember you know there's no moment where it's like man this is a bummer like war really messed this guy up and he was just a innocent kid like who knows what john rambo would have been like if he didn't have to go to vietnam what would his life have been like the first movie asks those questions the other ones are just like guns and i love the guns but i i think that there's a special place in my heart now for first blood that wasn't there before i rewatched it like i said before i rewatched it it was just like yeah that's the one where he fights cops instead of terrorists um now like at that point really hit home for me um, I, I think it might be my favorite one now, and before I would have said that of of Rambo two, but I think now I'm I'm going with First Blood. What do you think? Yeah, it's probably the best. You know what? I actually really like the last Rambo that came out, which was called mm-hmm. Rambo. I think it was called. Um, yeah, I, let's not even go there. <laughs> I, I like that one. It was nice and gory and fun. Um, yeah. But it, I thought it was a decent movie. But the first one's probably the strongest of them all. Yeah, and it's very, um, I I think the first one has sort of um, a presence to it that is like, how how do I put it? Like, you instantly recognize it. If you see a frame from Rambo 1, you'll instantly be like, oh, that's Rambo 1. Whereas I find all the other ones, it's like, you just take a frame of him like in a jungle or in a desert. Like, that could be any other Rambo movie, you know? Like, they look very similar at first glance. And I like, this is just a weird quirk of mine, but I like watching 80s movies and seeing like 80s technology and and how houses looked and how like the logos of restaurants looked. And because Rambo is set in a town in America, you get to see that. At one point you see a bright, shiny Dairy Queen logo, James. And guess what? They have not changed their logo in almost 40 years. Dairy Queen has, uh, well, actually now it's called DQ because I guess they're lazy. But uh, the Dairy Queen logo was exactly as we remember it. Uh, I like seeing stuff like that. So that's why I prefer uh, the aesthetic of this one as opposed to it's just like, oh, I'm in a desert now. 
I, I think that that makes it stand out e- even more and makes me like it even more just out of personal bias. But I'm curious now, I'm going to be re-watching the rest of the series to sort of prep my mind and body and soul for Rambo 5, which I have good news and bad news for you, James. The good news is I heard that they are calling it officially Rambo 5 with a V, a Roman numeral V, colon, Last Blood. You know how much I love Roman numerals in my sequel titles, but apparently... Recently, I saw that they are dropping that and it's just called Rambo colon Last Blood. Does that make you sad like it makes me sad? Uh, I don't want to disappoint you, but I haven't given too much thought to that. Because uh, mm-hmm. I feel like if I... You're right, you disappointed Yeah, me. if I just go to see it, I'm going to say like, hey, can I get a ticket to Rambo? Or who wants to go see <laughs> Rambo? So I don't... <laughs> it doesn't really affect me too much. Because at the end of the day... It's going to be called Rambo. Like like all the other ones are, you know, it's like, let's watch Rambo. Then you'll be like, which one? Uh, three. You know, like, it's Rambo. <laughs> can, can you please, like, just just for me, just to amuse me now, uh, from, from now until the movie comes out, can you please only refer to it out loud as Rambo 5 colon Last Blood? You got it. Uh, like, can you talk to people like, hey, Rob, you want to go see Rambo 5 colon Last Blood with me? And, like... When you talk to the ticket agent, you got to say that, and 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 like with a straight face and everything. I, I just want that to be real, just so that I can get my my uh, my Roman numeral fix, even though it might not be in the title. Yeah. So Star Wars Episode Five: Rambo's sec- Second Last Blood: Colon uh, Colon Die Harder. Colon Die. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. Uh, yeah, that's what I was hoping. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of Die Harder, there is. Uh, we'll talk about it more on the next episode. But there's uh, a Die Hard board game coming out. I think it's September, James, and we have to play it because it is. Uh, I, I watched some gameplay and it is a hell of a lot of fun. It is Die Hard in a box, uh, very faithful to the movie. Y- you need to check it out if you haven't seen it. But I think you're gonna love that game. Okay, you sold me on it. Sold. Uh, and I hope that we've also sold people on That's So Wizard because that is that is the end of our first episode of That's So Wizard. Uh, here's to another 97 more and maybe another 20 more after that but that'll be it uh, that's a wizard I think I think this will be a lot of fun uh, I'm looking forward to uh, emulating that that feeling of looking forward to a, a shiny new magazine in the mail except instead of a magazine in the mail it's a podcast on your subscription notice list and instead of shiny it's me uh, but uh, that is that's a wizard uh, thank you James Rusile for, for being my first guest. I'll probably have you on a bunch more episodes. Um, and uh, in the meantime, where what else is Digital Truck Review Podcast Network offering? What else is on this smorgasbord here? We have on Digital Truck Review Podcast Network, you can catch the Rebel Scum Podcast with Brock Smink and myself. Uh, that is a weekly Star Wars podcast. You can also catch the weekly Outlander Co- Club, a Rebel Scum Podcast, where I interview Star Wars fans about their Star Wars fandom journey. I, love, I still haven't listened to the first episode, but I'm so excited to do so. I, I love that idea. Um, yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. And then, you you know, you, there's nothing... That, if you like stuff, we're going to be talking about the stuff you like. Like, we're covering a lot of bases. So join us on all those shows. Join us here next time on That's So Wizard. I'm Andrew Fantasia. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>